Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. Again, this new series of podcasts last week called Ask Pastor Todd, where I asked my parishioners or body to send me topics they would like me to discuss, questions they would like me to answer. And so we're going to do that for a few weeks as I have been getting some subjects and some questions recently. And so I want to address one of those questions today. Last week, we talked about the sin of pride and all the things that sort of go along with that. Today, I want to talk about, are miracles still possible? Does God still do miracles? Is he in the business of healing people? And that's the question that was posed to me. I guess there was someone famous in uh, modern-day culture and modern-day media who has stage 4 cancer and is dying. And so this had this question in this person's mind going, is it right and good to ask God to pray for people on their deathbed, to pray for people who seem to be beyond hope. And, wow, that's a really good question. That's the question we want to address today. And I thought about this with my own life going, I remember times like that as a child where I remember thinking, even if I ask my parents at this moment, if a friend can stay over the night, I think I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) Because I had been a naughty kid, I had not cleaned my room, I'd been disobedient, and I felt like, no, even asking at this time if I can get something good for my parents would it would just put me into trouble. So there were certain times that I didn't ask. I, I said, no, I can't ask right now. i got to wait for a better season, a more obedient season, <laughs> before I ask my parents something like that. And I think that's within all of us, going, is this something that I should pray for? Is this something I should really take to God? I remember when I started my ministry like 11 years ago now, and I work with young adults, college-age students, and one of the young adults asked me, is it okay to pray for football games? Is it okay to pray to God saying, God, help my team win? And I'm not going to address that question today, but I am going to address the question, is it always right and good to ask things of God? And in this instance, is it right and good to ask God to heal people who are beyond hope medically? That's the question we want to deal with today, and I think it's a really good question. I think it's a question we probably all have going, does God hear those requests? Does he want us praying for such things? And so where to begin? Where to begin? Well, we do have to say this as a, as a premise. We lived on a cursed world. We all, we all know that. This world, this earth that we lived in has been cursed by sin. And because it's been cursed by sin, how many thousands of years ago, we die on the earth. We are mortal. Our average age span for men and women is somewhere in the 70s. And even people die before that. You know, we get diseases, we get in car accidents, and we're just meant to die. None of us are meant to live upon this earth permanently. And that's a sad reality that we're all going to face physical death unless the Lord Jesus comes back. But it is a reality, and it's not God's fault that it's a reality. It's our fault that it's a reality because we're the ones who decided to sin and rebel, and this is just the natural consequence of sin, is that now we're mortal. And we know that if we find the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in him, we will be spared from the eternal death, from the second death, as the Bible calls it, which is the most profound death, a spiritual death that lasts forever. That's the one we need to be primarily concerned with, but still God cares about life. And the reason we know God cares about life is because when you read the scriptures, you see Jesus all the time taking opportunities to heal people. And I would say even people who were beyond hope, beyond hope, there were the blind. I don't know what you were going to do for the blind back in the day. There was no doctor that could do anything for the blind. The blind were going to be blind for the rest of their life. But 
when the blind came to see Jesus. Jesus knew what to do. Jesus had control and authority over the body. And Jesus sometimes would just command the blindness to be gone. Sometimes he'd say, put this, put this mud on your eyes. And as soon as they did it, um, they became healed. They were able to see. Uh, even beyond the blind, these people who were lepers and, and lame, um, these people that just really had no hope, had no real quality of life. I mean, the lame, there weren't modern-day wheelchairs and things like that. If you were lame, you were just going to be laying around on a bed all day long, all life long. But when the lame were brought to Jesus Christ, he healed them. And people were able to stand and walk and jump for joy because that's what God is capable of through Christ. The lepers, it was the very same. The lepers were beyond hope. These people had no friends. They had no family. Everyone had to cast them away because their disease was so contagious, so infectious. And so these people just lived the rest of their existence in complete misery with no hope whatsoever of being healed. But once again, when they came to Jesus, Jesus had authority over the body. Jesus was their creator. Jesus is able to command diseases and, and those diseases would have to listen because Jesus is an authority over all. And that's another thing we need to remember. Jesus has created the body. Jesus has control over sickness and diseases. And maybe you're understanding where I'm going to go today because I'm going to go in the affirmative today to say yes. Yes, we should pray that God would do miracles, that God would heal people even beyond hope. But again, my opinion isn't worth that much. It's just not. I want to take you to Scripture, and I want you to see things that Jesus said. Jesus said things like this in John 14, 14. Actually, we'll start in verse 12. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. In verse 13, he says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Isn't that a bold promise from our Lord? That if you are his and you have access to the Father through Jesus Christ, Jesus has full authority and he has full love for us. So he commands us to ask to come to him and lay our requests before him, not only just to ask. Remember like my old story about, well, even asking would get me in trouble. No, ask. Come to Jesus and lay your request before Jesus. But not only that, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Doesn't that sound like it's just a blank check? That if you come to Jesus with any request, Jesus has promised to give you whatever you ask. I don't really think that's what it means though. Because of the one phrase, if you ask anything in my name. And maybe you could take that to say, oh, just say in Jesus' name, I ask this for you, of you. But I don't really think that's what it means. I think what it means, if you would read the context, Jesus is talking about God's will. He's talking about things that matter to God. I think when he's saying, if you bring anything to me that is in the center of my will, that is in accordance to my will, I'm going to answer it. Because we have to understand God is not here to just bless us on the earth. God has higher purposes. God has a higher plan. God has a kingdom to think about. He has our best welfare to think about. And sometimes when my children come and ask me for things, I have to consider what is best, not just what they want. So if my child asks me for a new video game, I have to consider, is that best? 
is this going to help them or is this actually going to harm them? So I don't think Jesus would be a bad Lord. He would be a bad Lord. Jesus would be a bad father if he basically said to us, anything you ever want in the flesh, come and I will answer those requests. I don't think that's what he's saying. But what I do think he's saying is if, if you pray in my will, I will hear you. We know that also because of how Jesus taught us how to pray. Because he taught us how to pray in the Gospels. He says, when you pray, say this, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So even the way he trained us to pray, he trained us to pray in the center of God's will. He trained us to pray for things that matter most to God and not to us. Because God has a different perspective than we do. We don't have the best perspective. The things that I might ask for may not be the best. And we have to understand that. And I think that can mean even good things, things that appear good, things that seem like this is a wholesome prayer request. Why wouldn't God answer this? We have to remember he's the father and we are the children and he has a different perspective than we do. And I say that not to squelch what Jesus said because Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But to remember that God has a will and God has a perspective that is so high above ours that we need to be okay if his will is different in his mind than it is in our mind. In other words, if we pray for something that seems to be in the center of God's will and God says, that is not my will, we need to be okay with a no. And that's hard to swallow because it seems like, well, then how would I know how to, what to pray for? Well, I think that's the point. You don't. Here's an instance that I was asked, should we pray for people with stage four cancer? Yes. Because we don't know if it's God's will or not to heal someone at that stage. But I do find confidence in scripture that God is still in the business of working miracles. I have prayed for people who have been sick, greatly sick, and God has healed them. And I've seen the church rally together and pray for people that have really very little hope. And God has healed them. I have seen this with my eyes. So I know by experience that God does that kind of thing. And I know through the scriptures that God is in the business of answering the requests of his people. He says the prayer of a righteous person has great power. He tells his disciples that if you pray that this mountain be moved into the sea with faith, it will do it. And I think if we need to learn something about prayer, it's always that we should pray more. It's never that we should withhold prayer. Because if we withhold prayer, we don't get answers. We're guaranteed not to get answers. And I think we should train our minds to first and foremost go to God. Not as a last-ditch effort to say, okay, I've tried medical science, I've tried the doctors, I've tried everything else, I might as well throw up a prayer to God. No, I say we go to God first and say, God, this situation demands your intervention and I'm going to pray that you would intervene. But we also need to learn how to pray in accordance to his will, to say, Lord, I don't know your will. I believe this is good. I believe this is a wholesome request. I believe this would glorify your name, but Father... I understand if you think otherwise. So what it allows us to do is it allows us to pray all the time. Pray for every request that you believe is good that comes into your mind. And I mean every request. And so the request, the question that I was given, absolutely. Pray for people to be healed from a disease that is going to take their life. Pray for them if they're Christians. 
so that they can prolong their days and live in a way that would glorify God and bless their family and bless those people around them and be a greater light upon this world, pray. Pray that God would heal the greatly sick, the people who are dying. Pray for the unbelievers who are greatly sick. Pray for this guy in the media who has a platform that who is dying and pray for him so that maybe, possibly, he might come to the light. He might understand the great grace of God through Jesus Christ and trust in Jesus Christ and, and by doing so affect thousands, other lives for Jesus. That's a good prayer. But we don't know if the answer is in God's will. And that's why we pray. We pray for two things. We pray because God has the answers, God has the power, God has the love, but we also pray because we don't know. I don't have the proper perspective all the time. And so I'm going to seek the one who does. And I'm going to say to him, Lord, this seems to be good and wholesome to my eyes, to my mind, but you are the knower of all things. You are the one true good God, and I'm going to lay my requests before you in confidence that you will answer it according to your will. And Lord, I need to be okay with whatever your will is. If your will is for them to die, then I need to be okay with that. That does not need to be something that stunts my faith or that gets me to be bitter at you because I need to train my soul and my mind to think God's will is best. But I also need to remember that God does answer prayers. I want to bring you to another passage in James chapter 5. And I want you to listen to what the apostle says here and just consider a prayer. Consider the importance of prayer. He says in verse 13 of James 5, James does, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. He uses Elijah as an example. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Do you see that there? Do you see how emboldened we are to be about prayer? That if you and I have a need, where should we go? We should go to the Lord. If anyone that we love and care about has a need, where should we go? We should go to the Lord because the Lord is almighty. He has full authority. I mean, countless stories in the word of God where the waves and the wind and the seas obey the Lord Jesus at a word. He tells the wind to stop. He tells the rains to cease. He tells the storms to calm. And in an instant, they obey because Jesus has all authority. And that's what we need to learn. We, we need to learn he has all authority. And here in James 5, we are commanded and emboldened to pray. Not only to pray, but to be fervent in our prayers, to pray with persistence, to seek the Lord as if we have to get this request met. I think the Lord loves prayers like that. The more fervent, the better. And maybe the greater the need upon the earth, maybe the more fervent we should pray. Maybe if someone is, is dying and it's going to affect a lot of people, 
and they have a really important role, what should we do? We should pray. We should pray with confidence and boldness. We should pray like we know the one we're praying to has the full love, the full power, the full authority to do what we ask him to do. But we should be okay if God says otherwise. If he, even after fervent, persistent prayer, says, that would not be best for my will and my glory. And I taught you to pray that my kingdom would come, that my will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So at the top of our prayer list should be that. Lord, I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for myself. This is a really important request, but I want your will and your glory above all things. I think Paul would have prayed that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul had this thorn in his flesh. You guys have probably heard this passage. He says in 2 Corinthians 12 that he had a vision. Or actually, he's speaking kind of third party, saying he knows a guy who had a vision. But a lot of commentators believe he's talking about himself, that he was able to see heaven. He had got a vision of what heaven was like. And Paul had a really special calling. He was a, he was a mighty apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it seems like he's got some vision, some some opportunity to grab a glimpse of the kingdom of God, of heaven. But it says, so that he doesn't boast about this. In verse 5, on behalf of this man I will boast, but not on my own behalf I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees or me or hears from me. And then in verse 7 he says this, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that Paul most likely saw, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul had this revelation, most likely, this glorious revelation, and it could have made him very conceited, because no one else was able to see what Paul was able to see. But in order so that he doesn't become conceited, God sent this thorn, this messenger of Satan, and a lot of people with a lot of different ideas have tried to guess at what this means. Was it an actual physical ailment? A lot of people think Paul struggled with blindness, losing his sight. Was it that? Was it some sort of other physical ailment? Was it some sort of mental thing? Was it some sort of actual spiritual persecution? Because he did say a messenger of Satan came to harass me. A lot of people with a lot of different guesses have tried to try to arrive at what Paul is talking about here, but we don't know. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh is, only that it was given to Paul to keep him from being prideful. And Paul was so tormented by this thorn that he prayed to God fervently that God would remove this, that God would take this from him. And using scripture, that's a wholesome thing to pray for. It's a good thing to pray for. Paul believed that. That's why he prayed. He also prayed fervently. He also prayed to the God who's able to do things, who has all the power, all the love, and all the authority to take this request and answer this request in the affirmative. But even Paul, even the mighty 
godly Paul, on this occasion, was told after three times pleading with the Lord, Paul, not this time. This thorn will not be removed from you because my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul, I'm going to allow this thorn to stay. I've heard your prayers. I know who you are. I know your confidence in me. But this is my will. This is what is best. I think if you take all the things we've mentioned today and you put them in one big stew pot and you stir them around, I think the conclusions you come to are very simple. Yes, God is capable. Yes, God is still in the business of working miracles. Yes, we should pray to God for any and every request that we believe to be good. I think we pray less than we should. I think we should increase exponentially our prayers. We, the first person we should go to is God. So yes, pray. Pray for these great requests. Pray fervently for these great requests. I heard an old pastor say, pray like you're chopping down a tree. Pray until the tree comes down. Keep chopping. Keep chopping. The bigger the prayer, the bigger the request, probably the more times you need to chop at that thing before it comes down. But keep doing until that thing starts falling and you hear timber. I think that's a great way to think about prayer. But we must remember that God's perspective is sometimes different than ours. And his glory and his will should be the thing that we strive for the most. So in our prayers, remember that. That shouldn't withhold any confidence from praying. That shouldn't withhold any fervency in praying. But it should be in our minds and our souls, okay, if God says to us, I've heard your prayers, but my grace is sufficient. This needs to happen. This needs to go through. And I will bear my people up. I will still be there to assist you through this. So even if this death of this person that you love, that you have sought me in prayer for, with fervency and confidence and faith, and I choose to say no because God's perspective is different. I will still be there to help you. I will not abandon you. You will not have to go through this alone. My grace will be sufficient for you. My power will be upon you, even the more so because of your weaknesses. So perhaps that answers the question, at least is the tip of the iceberg for answering the question. Yes, we should pray. Pray to the God of the universe. Pray to him in the name of Jesus Christ and have full confidence that when you bring requests in his name for his glory that are good and wholesome things, he is going to answer them. He will answer them. Pray until you get the answer. But also pray in the center of God's will and say, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be your name, God. That is the greatest request we should pray for. That no matter what happens to us, no matter what happens to our loved ones, no matter what happens on this earth, God's name would be glorified. His will would be done. His kingdom would come. But at the same time, God is there for his people. And there is no request too big or too small to take to our God. Seek him today. Pray in confidence today. And watch God do miracles. I hope this is a blessing to you. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.